Uh, so this is a pretty strong content warning this week. Though the episode is full of talking animals, you probably shouldn't let young children listen to it. There's adult stuff, and it can get pretty violent at times. Check out the post on mythpodcast.com for more info. This week on Myths and Legends, it's the story of the shenanigans of Renard the Fox. But shenanigans is probably too late of a word for actions that result in way too much death and disfigurement. Seriously, it's like rated R Redwall. The creature this week is your disappointed ghost dad, who's just going to keep hassling you about being lazy well beyond the grave. This is Myths and Legends, episode 105A, Fox on the Run. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Hey, podcast fans. Spotify is making it easy for you to stream this podcast and others like it on your mobile device, desktop app, and smart speaker. Open the app on your mobile device or desktop, click on the Browse channel, and then click Podcasts. You can stay thoroughly entertained during your commute to work, drive home, and downtime. Now, thanks to Spotify. As we talked about, today's story is about talking animals from medieval Dutch, English, French, and German folklore. Though this version in particular comes from the Dutch fairy tales. Tales of chivalry and good heroes being good all the time they can get a bit boring. Enter Renard. He's technically the hero of our story, but, well, you'll see. It's widely believed that these were parodies of other, much more serious medieval literature of knights in shining armor and courtly love. Anyway, we'll just jump right in on the day of the king's feast. was the Feast of Pentecost in the Animal Kingdom, and the lion, who was a king, though not in the way that violated any trademarks on that name, wanted all the animals to come forth and enjoy the bounty of his kingdom at a feast. Maybe he wanted to make sure everyone was in attendance. Maybe he was worried about turnout. We don't know. But he didn't just invite attendees. He commanded them to attend. As the lion sat on his throne, he looked out over all the animals, great and small, and... Wait... Where was that fox? Did anyone know where the fox was? Isengrim the wolf came forward. Renard the fox? Oh, yeah. He was hoping that guy was going to make an appearance. He had a lot of problems with that fox. And he wanted to bring the crimes before the king, so Renard could finally get what he deserved. The king shrugged. Well, let's hear it. What did Renard do to him? The wolf dropped his head to the floor. Renard the fox broke into his house and slept with his wife. Ooh, that's... Yeesh, sorry about that. Were there any witnesses? The king asked. Isengrim the wolf took a deep breath. Yes, there were. His kids were there. Shaking his head, the king apologized and said that he would need to talk to the little ones about what they had seen. Isengrim lifted his eyes. He wished the king could but Renard had temporarily blinded them when the act took place. He... He peed on their eyes. A gasp went up around the court. The wolf continued. He said he had tried to reason with Renard afterward, to convince him to come to the king to face his crimes, but on the day Renard was to swear in the Bible, he didn't leave his hole. He was sure the fox would come out and obey the king's command to attend the super fun mandatory party, 
but the fox wouldn't even do that. Now, the wolf had no choice but to swear revenge on the fox. Not if I have anything to say about it, they heard from the back. It was Courtois the dog. Last winter, Renard had stolen his last sausage that he had stolen from Tybert the cat, who stole it from the farmer. That, you guys probably shouldn't tell me that, said the lion who was a king, wanting to stay in the dark regarding stolen goods. It was the panther who spoke up next, saying that he had caught Renard just yesterday trying to eat Court the hare. He had lured him into the church under the pretense of teaching him the Apostles' Creed, but they only got about two words in before he had the hare by the neck with his teeth. The hare, right next to the king, still had the wounds to prove it. Renard was a menace. Justice had to be done, or the king himself would be to blame. They only wanted to live in peace. Someone else in the hall cleared their throat, and Grimbart the badger worked his way slowly to the front of the crowd. Hey, Isengrim, Cortoy, I have a fun idea to propose. How about whichever one of you has sinned the worst against my Uncle Renard goes and just, you know, dies. Go hang yourself in a tree. Sound good? You guys aren't innocent in any of this. Isengrim stepped closer to the badger's face, asking if he had something to say. The badger, of course, had a lot to say, and the king commanded the animals to calm down. The badger apologized profusely to the king. It just seemed like they were all piling on his uncle when he wasn't there to defend himself. Wait, how are you his nephew if you're a badger and he's a fox? Courtoy the dog blurted. How are any of us talking right now? It's a fairy tale, don't worry about it. As for your wife, Isengrim, Grimbart the badger continued, Reynard did sleep with her. A lot. He told me about it. It was seven years ago before you two were married. And it just burns you up inside, doesn't it? That's why you're talking all this trash to the king. As for the hare, the guy couldn't get two words of the Apostles' Creed right. It's completely in Renard's right as a teacher to beat his student. The king nodded. Yeah, welcome to the education system of the Middle Ages. Grimbart the Badger continued. First of all, that dog was an idiot for bringing up the stolen goods to the king, and he was an idiot to hold on to it. Renard could have commanded that the dog hang for his crime. Instead, Renard simply brought justice to the thief, and he kept it quiet so the king's reputation wouldn't be harmed in any of it. Look, the badger continued, my uncle Renard is a noble and honest creature. He hates lying, seeks his priest's advice in everything, and not only does he live like a monk, but he gave up his home, called Wicked Hole, and built himself a hermitage where he doesn't hunt or fish, but rather lives by charity, doing penance for his sins. He's grown lean and pale from prayer and self-disciplining vigils. Peace with animals and peace with God is all that fox desires. Grimbart the badger looked from face to face in the crowd with smug reassurance. He knew he landed that last line as soon as it left his mouth. He wouldn't be surprised if he got a standing ovation. But the crowd wasn't looking at him. They were looking at the door to the castle. There, standing in the entryway, was a rooster carrying a dead hen. Renard had bitten its head off. And he came to the king with evidence, so none could argue against it. The rooster, named Chanticleer, walked in front of the coffin, bearing the headless corpse of his daughter. Two burly rooster boys were carrying it, and two weeping chicken daughters walked on either side with a burning candle. There, I mean, there has to be two sides to this story, too. 
the badger managed before being shut down by several harsh glances. The rooster began his tragic story. It was a few weeks ago, and the rooster was feeling good. He looked at his family, and he was proud. He had eight strong sons and seven beautiful daughters, and they all lived in the well-walled yard, guarded by six guard dogs in a shed. Those dogs had, quote, torn the skin from many animals, and so the chickens lived unafraid. Unfortunately, complacency bred weakness. They often heard the dogs chasing after Bernard. The chickens had even seen his bloody skin from the dog bites. But the fox always managed to get away. This is ridiculous, Grimbart the Badger objected. His uncle didn't eat meat now. He was trying to atone for his sins. He was basically a monk. The rooster blinked and asked if he could go on. The king nodded. The rooster shared that he was led to believe the same thing. When Renard came to the coop, not stealthily, dressed like a religious hermit. He had a letter with the seal from the king, saying that there had been a decree. No animal should harm or damage any other. Renard had come not to steal and kill, but to apologize. He was undertaking penance for his past sins. With the decree from the king, and his greatest enemy having sworn off eating him, Chancellor the rooster, decided to let his children go play in this wonderful new peaceful world. And the four that the king saw were the only ones that came back alive. Just yesterday, the dogs had found the body of Coppin, the daughter here, and the rooster knew he had to take it to the king as proof. The king sat back on the throne. Wow. He thanked the rooster for her story and apologized for the loss of his daughter and all the other children. Though there was nothing they could do to help her now, they would give her a beautiful burial service and bring her killer to justice. The king called together his lords and his wisest counselors, who all agreed that the murderer must be punished. But more importantly, he had to be there. The king nodded. There was only one animal in the kingdom that might be stronger than him. He called for Bruin. The room shuddered as Bruin the bear stepped forward. Bruin towered over all the other animals. And the lion who was a king thought that he would be the perfect one to send a message, figuratively and literally, to the fox. Just... Be careful, he warned the bear. Bruin laughed. Maybe, maybe, if Renard had caught him unaware, he might trick him for an instant. But the bear had heard these stories. He knew what he was up against. It was a bit too late in the game for Renard to make a fool of him, too. All the same, the king urged him again to proceed with caution. Hey, Bruin! How's it going? Sorry to take so long. I was saying my prayers. Renard the fox greeted as he unlocked the door to his home, called Wicked Hole. He stepped out into the sunlight, in front of the bear who had come to bring him to justice for his crimes. The fox smiled. He was actually just about to leave. Well, that's not true. He was going to leave, but then he stuffed himself with this terrible, terrible food. It was the only thing he could find. It was new to him, and he ate way too much of it, so he wasn't in any shape to start a walking trip today. Bruin, curious, asked Renard what he had been eating. Oh, this weird, sticky stuff. Honey, I think it was called. Wait, where'd you get honey? Bruin asked. Renard had his full attention. Wait, do bears like honey? Renard asked innocently. Yes, where did you get it? Renard replied that, Oh, well, in that case, he would tell the bear. But the bear had to promise to help him when he came to the court of the lion who was a king. 
The bear looked left and right, and then whispered to Bernard, if that fox could fill his belly with honey, he would have no better friend. The fox mock struggled to his feet. All right, it was just down the way. Farmer Lantford had found it by accident, so he wouldn't miss it if the bear ate the rest. Bruin did not care at all. He just wanted that sweet, sweet honey. Several minutes later, they were standing in front of a tree with a wide hole in the front of it. Bruin was so excited that he dove right in, face and paws, clamoring at the tree. He was so excited that he didn't notice the block at the bottom of the hole. Farmer Lantford had split open the tree and placed a wedge at the bottom before he was called back to his house. There was not any honey in the tree, only pain. When the bear's face and paws were in the hole, brooding around and looking for the honey that wasn't there, Renard tapped the block on the bottom of the tree, and the wood snapped back in place around the bear's neck and paws. The bear roared, and the farmer yelled in surprise. Snickering, Renard bolted to a safe distance to watch the scene play out. The bear scratched with his back legs against the tree, raging at the trap, while Farmer Lantford came and discovered the commotion, and then promptly called the townspeople. Everyone came en masse with clubs, chains, and torches. They were going to kill the bear, or, barring that, make it so he never wanted to come back and threaten their town. Renard watched from the bushes as Bruin got Farmer Lantford's honey, in the form of a merciless beating from the townsfolk. Knowing that he couldn't go on like that, the bear summoned all of his strength and pulled his head and paws from the hole. With a horrifying tear, he pulled himself from the tree. But now his eyes burned. He was blinded. The townspeople stepped back in shock at the sight of the animal. If only for a moment, the bear, upon pulling his head from the tight tree, had torn all the skin off his head and lost all but the bones on his front paws in the process. He roared again in pain, and the townspeople doubled their efforts. It was only his lack of balance on the two paws that saved his life. He stumbled backwards and rolled into the river, taking several people with him. In the chaos, Renard the fox casually walked to the local priest's barn, picked the plumpest-looking hen, and shoved her in his bag. When he saw Bruin take a tumble into the river, the fox jogged downstream a bit to get a few good barbs in before Bruin was washed away. Bruin roared at Renard, but Renard replied with whatever the medieval fox version of come at me, bro, is. Because, blinded by blood and missing most of his front paws, Bruin could hardly keep himself afloat, let alone swim over and take his revenge on the fox. Renard laughed as he watched the bear be swept downstream. Hours later, a wet, bloody sack of fur used its teeth to drag itself from the river. The animals were still feasting. When Bruin pushed through the door with his head, it was too painful to walk on his front feet. So he was reduced to kicking himself along with his back paws, and dragging his body on the ground. The animals turned in horror to look on Bruin, the king's most fearsome enforcer, who had just left so confident that he could handle one little fox. Now weeping on the ground, half-drowned, and missing his face and paws, after nearly being beaten to death by farmers, it was then that everyone realized that they had underestimated the fox. The lion who was a king roared for his friend, and promised Bruin that Renard would face justice. He turned to Tybert the cat, who, though not especially strong, was especially smart. They had sent the strongest, and he had come back like this. Maybe matching wits with the fox was what they needed. Tybert was smart, so Tybert was worried. He was a friend of Renard's, 
but an order from the king was an order from the king. Either Tybert disobeyed and risked the king's wrath, or he went to convince Renard to turn himself in. Siding with the king was arguably safer at that very moment, so Tybert acted as if he had a choice and agreed. We'll see how that was a horrible, horrible decision. But that will be right after this. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, buddy, the cat ventured when he arrived at Wicked Hole, Renard's home. Look, I don't want to be here, but the king's going to execute you if you don't come with me right now. I know, it sucks. Please, just come with me. Renard said he wished for nothing but good fortune and happiness for his old friend. Look, yes, I get it. You're already thinking of how you can shame and incapacitate me. Please, just... Come with me, Tybert pleaded. Renard laughed it off. Oh, no, 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 he wouldn't hurt a friend. It was just that it was getting late, and who knew what was on the road at night? No, they should wait until morning. Until then, the cat could stay in Wicked Hole with him. He had some honeycomb. Would Tybert like some sweet, sweet, totally illegal honey? The cat shook his head. Nah, he was really more into mice. He knew it was kind of a cliche, but... You couldn't get enough of them. Renard shook his head. If only he had known. He would have given the cat a whole cart of mice. The cat cocked his head. A whole cart, you say? The cat walked by moonlight with Renard. The fox said he had seen them earlier that day, in the priest's barn. It was an infestation. True, he had walked off with a hen, but he had to pick it up out of a pile of mice. He was emptying the tiny creatures out of his pockets the entire way back. Tybert figured that, as long as he was staying the night anyway, he might as well help himself to a disease-laden buffet. He had no way of knowing that Renard had stolen from that priest before. And that priest did not mess around. The priest left traps. It was obvious. The fact that Renard had stolen the priest's best hen and the guy still had not sealed the hole in his barn. Yeah, the priest was tempting Renard. And now, Renard was easing Tybert in through that hole. Right before he entered, the cat turned around. Renard promised that he wasn't conning him, right? The fox nodded. 
How long have they known each other? Hmm? He didn't think Tybert was such a scaredy... Don't you even say that, man. The cat spat back. Why would you say that to a cat? You know how that makes me feel. Hmm. Whatever. Prove me wrong, Bernard said. Tybert hissed, took one step into the hole, and was immediately caught in a trap by the neck. The cat screamed, and the lights ignited in the house. The priest, in such excitement that he finally caught the creature stealing his chickens, ran out stark naked with a candlestick and started beating the surprised cat. More and more, the priest's household came out to beat the assumed fox in the dark, while the priest's wife went to fetch another candle. Tybert the cat was hit so hard across the face that he lost an eye, but Tybert knew that they would kill him. Faced with losing his life, he found the strength that he didn't even know he had and snapped the rope. He leapt up and clawed at the priest, who had the candlestick over his head, about to strike. And, since the naked priest was standing over the cat, the most apparent targets were his... Yeah. The priest screamed as one of two dropped to the ground. The energy in the barn quickly changed, from a fun time beating a tiny animal to death to getting the priest medical attention before he bled out in the hay. The priest fainted from the combination of pain shock, and blood loss, and his children ended up having to carry him out. The cat scraped a little fur from his head getting out of the trap, though it wasn't nearly as bad as the situation with the bear, and he limped back to the king's court. When the lion who was a king saw the cat, the apparently second smartest animal in the kingdom, had also returned without the fox, and with a beating, and likely a permanent disfigurement, he knew exactly who he would send on his third and final try to get the fox. They had stopped Grimbart the Badger from slipping out of the feast after the threat against the fox and his family. And now they had a job for him. He was going to get his uncle, Renard the Fox, to return to court to face justice, or they would both be hunted down and executed. Grimbart knocked on Renard's door. Hey, Renard, it's me. Grimbart the Badger, you know your nephew even though we're different species? You can probably guess why I'm here. Renard opened the door and hugged his badger nephew and actually wished him well. The honest type of well-wishing. Not the type you say to someone before you're about to trick them into getting beaten by a naked priest. Grimbart came in and said hello to Dame Airman, Renard's wife, and his little pups and said that Renard probably already guessed the situation but Grimbart would lay it out anyway. The king, to put it lightly, was incensed and wanted a reason to summarily execute Renard and his family. And unless Renard could talk a lion charging him full speed into not mauling him, that's exactly what would happen. They would besiege Wicked Hole. Awesome name, by the way. And Renard, his wife, and his children would all be executed. Grimbart told Renard that he stood a better chance of staying alive by appearing before the lion who was a king and pleading his case. Besides... He had been in worse spots than this. Renard looked at his wife, his cubs, and his badger nephew. He knew it was the smart move. He agreed. The fox said goodbye to his wife and children, possibly for the last time, and left on the moonlit robe with Grimbart. You can't con an honest man, or bear, cat, the fox said the next morning in the assembly before the king. What fault of Renard's was it that Bruin the bear wanted honey that wasn't his to want? 
or that the cat was sneaking into a place where he shouldn't have been. He was beaten by a priest, not by a fox. Renard couldn't have forced either of them to do anything they didn't want to do. One was too big, and the other was too smart. It was all in the king's paws, of course, and he could do as he wished, regardless of justice. He was strong and Renard was weak. It wouldn't take much to kill him. You finished? The king asked Renard. The fox nodded and looked at the floor. The king announced that the fox was still under arrest, if not for tricking the bear and the cat, for the multitude of other crimes that had led to the two coming to arrest him in the first place. Pretty much the whole room accused him of crimes, one of which would lead to his execution. No, Renard wasn't walking out of this one. The fox was put in cuffs, and a parliament convened to judge his crimes. It didn't take long, and the decision was unanimous. Renard would be put to death. It didn't matter that he had an answer for everything. He had been a blight on this kingdom for too long, and no matter the defense, the judges' minds were made up before he had even set foot in the courtroom. The gallows were constructed, and he was set to be hanged the next morning. But, for some, that wasn't good enough. Those that guarded Bernard were Tybert the Cat, Bruin the Bear, and Isengrim the Wolf. The three that had, arguably, been harmed the most by Renard. The cat glared at the fox with his one eye and said that it was a pity that they wouldn't get to do it themselves. He looked at Isengrim. After the number of times Renard had had him beaten, and after getting two of Isengrim's own brothers executed, a story that's alluded to but not elaborated on in the text, Isengrim now had to keep the fox safe until morning? The cat spat on the ground. The king asked too much. Then do it, Renard said sullen and staring at the ground. The three animals looked to him in surprise. Yeah, do it, the fox continued. If they wanted the pleasure of killing him, then they should do it. He didn't want to wait until morning anyway. He said he knew the cat had a rope from when he escaped the priest's trap. Isengrim could tie a knot, and the bear was strong enough to pull the rope with his back paws. They could do it tonight. Isengrim was hesitant, but Renard looked at him. His wife remembered the good times, the really, really good times that they had over and over again. She would want Isengrim to show mercy to the fox she had loved. Isengrim growled, Okay, this guy's gotta die. As they took Renard to the tree to hang him, he waited for just the right moment and screamed. He screamed that these three animals were committing treason. They were trying to kill him before he could speak his peace. Someone needed to wake the king. The king and queen heard Renard from the castle and looked out a window to see the fox being dragged to the gallows by his guards. The king roared out a command for them to stop and wait until he got there, and the three guards had no choice but to obey. Renard stood, once again, before the king, but now he was in tears. Now he was contrite. He told the king that he had a story to tell, a story that he could have only told if he was sure of his death, for fear of what they would have done one of treasure, a massive treasure that he lost. But he lost it because the king was going to be killed, and he had to stop it. That got the king's attention. He commanded the fox to stop babbling and come to his quarters. Through tears, Renard asked that Grimbart come as a witness. It began in the days of Renard's father. He had found the lost treasure of King Emmerich, and though he could have used it to live fat and wealthy for the rest of his days, and then some, 
he decided to go one step further. It was the wealth of a king. It could be used to make a king. He called together the strongest, smartest, and toughest animals in the kingdom. And Isengrim, the conspiracy was five animals. Renard's father, Grimbart the badger, Tybert the cat, Isengrim the wolf, and Bruin the bear. Bruin the bear lived far off then, so Renard's father sent word that he had money to pay for mercenaries. Bruin could depose the lion and be king. And Bruin was down for it. They all were. The conspiracy was airtight. Except for a drunk badger. Grimbark got drunk and bragged to his wife, who mentioned it to Renard's, who mentioned it to her husband, who followed his father one day and found the location of the gold. Without hesitation, Renard knew he must save the lion who was his king. In the cover of night, he stole the lost treasure of King Emmerich and hid it far away. Without the cash, the conspiracy fell apart. Bruin's mercenaries turned on him. And Renard's father? He never recovered from the shock of losing the money. He died shortly thereafter. Renard had indirectly killed his father. But he had saved the king. It was worth the cost. When they were guarding him that night, Renard had threatened to reveal the conspiracy the next day at his hanging. So that's why the three guards wanted to silence him that night. Of course, with a promise of a pardon, Grimbart the Badger corroborated the whole story. The king looked at Renard. If that was true, why didn't Renard use any of the money? Renard looked to the ground in shame. It was because of the Pope. As the king knew, Renard helped Isengrim gain entry as a monk. Well, Isengrim was robbing his monastery blind. So Renard convinced him to leave the order. When Isengrim went before his superiors, he did not mention the theft just that his friend Renard had convinced him to leave the faith. As such, Renard was banished from ever setting foot in Rome again, and yes, that's exactly where the treasure was buried. He would love to accompany the king, but he couldn't set foot in Rome, not until he made amends for his sins. The king knew the fox was tricky, but all that money, what did he care about the wolf, cat, and bear, especially if they were planning to usurp his throne? The lion barked for the hare to come in and answer a question. He asked the hare about the location in Rome Renard had given him, and the hare, with his knowledge of Rome supplied only by Renard, was eager to show off his education. He corroborated the location, and that was good enough for the king. The sun was rising as the king and queen exited the castle. Renard rubbed his wrists. He was free. The king announced that Renard had earned his freedom and an unconditional pardon for past crimes. His life of crime was over, too, and he was going to leave that morning to earn back the favor of the Pope. He was to be considered a squire and a respected animal in the lion's kingdom. It was with a smile that the fox listened to the king's commands to arrest Isengrim the wolf, Tybert the cat, and Bruin the bear for treason. The wolf and bear assumed that there had to be something wrong, so they turned themselves in. The cat, being the smart one of the trio, left town. He had already lost an eye. He didn't need to lose more. Isengrim and Bruin spat curses at the fox, and the king, angry that it went against what he'd just said about respecting the fox, ordered that they be bound. He turned to Renard. For the fox's troubles and his loyalty, the king allowed him to come up with their punishment. Hmm. <laughs> Renard thought for a moment. Seeing as how he was going on a holy pilgrimage, he would need a bag 
and what was stronger than bear fur? It shouldn't take more than a square foot of skin off his back. Oh, and he would need a pair of new shoes. Hmm, wolf shoes didn't look too bad. And so it was later on that week, donning wolf shoes and a pack made of bearskin, Renard stood while Bellin the Ram performed a mass in his honor. The whole town, except for Bruin the Bear and Isengrim the Wolf, who were still bound in the dungeon, came out to see Renard off. And even though he begged to be allowed to go alone, Bellin the Ram and Court the Hare insisted on escorting him out of the king's domain to help him see his plan through. He thanked them, and the trio walked up to Wicked Hole, where Renard asked for a moment to tell his boy where he was going. The pair agreed. Renard turned and then paused. Actually, would Court the Hare mind coming with him? He might be able to help soften the blow with his wife. Wicked Hole was a hole full of misdirections and different dead ends and traps. If you didn't know the way or have someone to guide you, it was easy to get lost or worse. Fortunately, Court had a guide and it wasn't long before he saw the glow of Renard's hearth illuminating the tunnels. Renard came in and his wife flew to him, embracing him with tears and joy. She was so happy he was alive. Then, she and the children looked to the hare. Who's that? they asked. Oh, him? Renard replied with a smile. That's dinner. Dig in, kids. Court shrieked, but only for a moment. The hungry pups began to feast, and Renard turned again to his wife. He would tell her all about what happened, but for now, they had to go. That's it for this week. Next week, we're wrapping up these stories of Renard, and we'll see why he decided to throw his hard-earned goodwill away, and what he's going to do when the king not only discovers he's not on his way to make amends with the Pope, but that there's no lost treasure. Okay, real quickly, if you're not listening to our other show, Fictional, there are almost 20 episodes waiting for you on that feed. There are stories like Dante's Inferno, Macbeth, Sherlock Holmes, Call of Cthulhu, and next week, it's Frankenstein. Check it out. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts at apple.fictional.fm, Spotify at spotify.fictional.fm, and everywhere else by searching for Fictional wherever you get your podcasts. The creature this week is the Doratabo from Japanese folklore. So, it can be tough to be a parent. You raise kids, you give and give and give, and sometimes they just don't appreciate it. Then you die, and all your stuff goes to them. If you're looking for a fun way to nag your children about their life choices from beyond the grave, look no further than the Doratabo. The Doratabo is the result of a hard-working parent giving their children the fruits of their labor and the children doing nothing with it. The Doratabo is also called a rice paddy man or a mud man because they are, well, mud men that are angry about the states of their rice paddies. They are angry vengeance ghost dads that briefly come back to give their kids a hard time about how the fields look. They only have one eye on their face and three fingers on their hands and they don't really interact with humans but preferring, instead, the passive-aggressive approach. They'll form from the mud and rice paddies, taking with them all sorts of frogs, snakes, and insect friends swimming around in the muck, and they'll go yell at their kids all night. And that's basically it. If you're the heir to a rice paddy you let go, you can do two things. Clean it up and get it back on track, and 
Maybe that will let dad finally rest, if you can ever live up to his standards, or just wait for winter for a break. Muddy ghost dads can't turn into mud if there is no mud. Most of Japan is mountainous. Part of the history of this creature is that it was a big deal for the family to scrape together enough money for a rice paddy. Families would work really hard. And the threat of eternally being reminded of your parents' disapproval might have been enough to get some of the kids outside to actually do some work. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to other music in the show notes, and today's episode was written by me, Jason Weiser, and produced by Carissa Weiser. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>